0: Revival started in the church with the 12 in the upper room. It will end on Judgment Day before God Almighty. I am not pro-choice before you get me mistaken, okay? I do not believe that it's okay. Okay. Do I believe that it's not okay in certain circumstances? I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'm going to direct you to Romans that you work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Amen. I just know what Scripture says. And we've lost trust in God. and i am i'm not afraid of what's going to happen i'm afraid for the church and this is why i say this because we have become so much like the world that we rejoice and we will protest the effect and have no attention to the calls, I would say for the most part I mean I don't know your beliefs don't know your stance and however you, it's not gonna redirect my love for you I'm just gonna give you Bible and you work out your own salvation but I would say for the most part everybody in here Took a, a breath of relief or said a thank you, Jesus, or rejoiced in some manner of this overturning. Mm-hmm. Which, granted, okay. But I would also put this out too. I would say the most part of us haven't gone haven't opened up a door of opportunity for a distressed pregnancy for a lack of better words for someone that had been raped and knows not what to do with it and struggles emotionally um of a distressed pregnancy of a woman that has no husband. All she had was a one-night stand, and now here they are. I wonder how many of us have dug into our own pocketbooks and have donated to ministries that are out there to offer an alternative to abortion. I'm on an assignment. See, we will rejoice in the effect, but we will not stand for the cause. For every cause, there is an effect. And if we as a church body, if we as, as Christian followers would stand in the gap, this doesn't mean just to pray. Amen. And I've got some scripture that I've been hit up with in the past couple of I'm, I'm telling you if, you, if you ain't ready for it, it's going to hurt your feelings in some of the scripture. Because a lot of the things we think, we, we talk about how prayer changes things. And I'm not against that. Because I, I know that, that, that the Lord will hear our prayers. And he will act on our behalf. I get that. But there's also things that prayer won't change. There's a time that we have to put our hands to the plow and we have to go and work. And a lot of the cases, it takes our work, it takes our prayer. Our work, then an answer. Read the Bible. Not all the time did the answer come at the sense of prayer. There, there were many occasions that the answer came way after. And it took the work in, pro, in process. It's, it's easy to pray, God, I, I'm praying because I believe in you and I know that you're going to... But it's something else to go and walk that out in faith. In the face of adversity, when things aren't as you would hope they would be. And the church has fallen so far from a mandate. It took everything I had yesterday because I really didn't want to post anything on Facebook because I was mad at you and I was mad at the world. I'm mad at the government. I'm mad at the judicial system. I'm mad at all of it. Because you know what? If we would have ever just, I mean, f- for the love of John, if we would have just put common sense and play in a lot of these things. But see, the church began to pray, the church, <laughs> the church began to pray for another king. We want a king like everybody else has. Now I don't want to mix church with politics because i don't think church god did not set us here to rule the earth so y'all get mad at me in a minute i'll just have to unfold scripture over the next several months god didn't put us here to rule the earth he put us here to influence the rule of the earth God's purpose for us is his kingdom. Stop thinking about his kingdom being heaven. Understand that his kingdom is everything against evil. Where there's sickness, there's healing. Where there's poverty, there's prosperity. Where there's lost There's found. That's his kingdom. That's why we pray, let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. We're not praying for heaven to come down. We're praying for his kingdom to be manifest in a circumstance or a situation. And although it's it's a good thing that, yeah, The federal government has released it to the states now to make up their mind. I mean, that's all it is. But yet, and I'm going to say you, but yet you are going to get lost and caught up in the confusion of the chaos and you're going to begin to point your fingers at people and tell them how wrong they are about pro-choice and pro-choice. It hasn't even gone away. The states still have the say. But you're going to get caught up in the chaos and the next thing you know, there's going to come that division again, yet again. And you're going to go to people and point your fingers about how wrong they are instead of about telling them how loving God is. There's a revival coming. This is, I heard this as plain as day on my motorcycle. There's a revival coming. And he just opened the door for revival. Will you? I'm, I'm telling you, it's as plain as day. A revival is coming. He has just opened the door. Will you enter? Let's talk about revival. Revival is in you. There's parts in you that are dead. Revival is in you. God wants to remove bitterness and He wants to remove hatred and He wants to remove self-righteousness and He wants to remove false religion. He wants to remove false and, and witchcraft teaching. He wants to remove that. But it has to begin in you. You can't go to a sinner and tell a sinner that they're going to hell because they're doing something wrong and yet you carry bitterness and you carry hatred in your heart and you expect the world to look at you and say there's something different. Revival has begun. Now will you enter? Will you be able, will will you be mature enough in your Christianity to approach the throne of God and say, God, fix me where I once hated people for doing what they done, fix me. Because can I tell you something? You can't expect a sinner to act anything different than a sinner. And it's your job to be salt and light to the earth. You're not to come and correct them to a point of making them do right. You're called to bring correction to the situation. And that correction is Jesus. Nothing else will fix it, Meg. It's going to take Jesus or it's not going to be fixed. Do I believe that God had something to do with this? Yes. Yes because he's the only one that can change the heart of man. (laughs) Unfortunately, the love of money has become such a strong and powerful God that it may influence as well. But I have to believe that what's taking place now is an opportunity for the church to rise. Now, will the church hear the call? Or will we just rejoice in the effect and do nothing about the cause? I got reprimanded this morning pretty heavily. I'll tell you what's coming. Um, You can, matter of fact, just keep your opinions to yourself. I don't want to hear it. Um, I got reprimanded pretty hard. I too had an abortion. Gateway was the seed. And I allowed the influence of my emotion and me wanting wanting to be the answer to settle some things and some issues. I was scared of the offense that it may bring by positioning Gateway to this house. so I aborted a seed and asked God to bless it. (laughs) I'm reminded that God takes life and God gives life. And I've asked for a resurrection breath. We were called to be a gateway for people to enter, to work out their giftings and their anointings, for us to grow. And to send ministers in the kingdom. We were called to have this alternative. We were called to have a place that nobody else has. We were going to be unlike any other. We're still peculiar. Me and Debbie, we're still peculiar. <laughs> And we're not like many. But I dressed it in a different cloak. So I've gotten reprimanded and I've apologized. And I'm bringing Gateway back to where it's supposed to be. And uh, Rocky, it's just a name. Pastor, it's just a name. I'm telling you, it's a seed. How dare I? So I'm standing this morning under the grace of God. And uh, we're going to become a church that will offer the opportunities, the alternatives. Pastors, just a few of us. If you missed Wednesday, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by His Spirit, and I'm. Pretty sure that's probably why I've struggled so much with everything that's happened. Because I wanted to rejoice with you. And I didn't. I called Debbie and told her on the phone, and that was the last I talked about it. See, when, when God opens something up for you, it comes with a responsibility now. And because I am giving you this assignment this morning, many of you are going to struggle. Because I'm asking you, what, what is your next step? What are you doing? Look, there, there are some of you in here that have education beyond me. What are you doing to open doors of legislation instead of having federal government money going to a death house? I'll just call it what it is. Instead of their money going there, why isn't their money going here? Why is it so much money goes towards abortion but very little goes towards the alternative? Can somebody answer that? How many of you have researched that? How many of you know? See, if you've been watching the rate of abortion has gone down. It was 1.6 million. Now it's 600,000 last year. God's already been working. God's already been up to something. But all the money that's going to these places for this, why isn't that money going to something else? We're about to find out. We can't make that easy process. We have to make that more complicated to adopt our own kind. It's easier to go to China, Korea, and everywhere else to adopt a child, but we can't go to the courthouse and adopt here in our own city without spending thousands. If you look at how much the government has to spend to maintain a child in a home versus how much money we would save them and we took on the responsibility... Because once you adopt, the government goes like this. Now, many of us, we would much rather foster because we could get, never mind. And we don't have to keep them long. We can go back and tell them, okay, I'm done because you can got your new sports car. And you, never mind. Tommy, go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 13. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you. And calls you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'm going to do a good work and it's for this purpose that you come to me. Look at what happened throughout Scripture. Anytime that Jesus would do a good work, it was always for the benefit of drawing people to him. God's going to start drawing the church, not the ones that have church, but he's going to start drawing the church to him and they will not find him unless they search for him with all their heart you want revival the door's been open will you enter If we're not willing to change ourselves, who can we change? You would be surprised the people that will change when they see you change. Whew. See, you're, you're called to be first. You're called to do it first. Stop waiting for others. You're called to do it first. You pick up the phone. I don't even know how many places there are in Roanoke for um, for women that are going there for either counsel or help in their pregnancy. I don't even know of any. I can't even name you a place. Yeah, yeah, not the abortion clinic. There's several. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get me some names. And, and, and I want I want, I want to find out where they where they take these people. Do they lead them to abortion clinics? These are alternatives. Well, I know they're alternatives. I know a lot of them will say they're alternatives to get federal money, but okay. Okay. I want I want those names. We're gonna we're gonna start having a relationship. See if you if you want to be a part, let's be a part. Let's stop playing. No, I'm not gonna come to you and ask that you begin to adopt children. <laughs> Maybe there'd be many of us that would raise our hand and go, "Whoop! <laughs> Been there, done that, done. I'm over it. I'm not I'm not gonna ask." What I'm going to ask you to do, though, is be a part. I wonder what type of dent we could make in Roanoke if we begin to be the church that these crisis centers call on because they know a girl that has gone through something and they know that there's a person in our church that has gone through the same thing. And just maybe God sets up a connection. Just maybe we're able to to continue working with those people to cause them to want to continue through. I'd like to know the fallout of the crisis centers. How many women start and don't finish? I would like to know that number. See, this is my mind. I'm telling you, God, God tore me up on this. Because we've sat back for so long and man we're going to throw up our signs in the street and praise God and thank God for overturning Rose versus Wade and the first woman we see will walk the other way. Now I'm not for I'm telling you again I'm not pro-choice. I'm telling you this again I'm just I'm bringing you the assignment I've been given, that you begin to stand up for what God has called you to do as a church. And that is to love people, to guide people, to give people a hope. I'm not asking you to go dump your savings and your Roths and everything. I'm not asking you to do any of that. I I will tell you this. Now that this word is spoken... Be prepared," he said. After, after we've been in the, after we've experienced this thing of watching our children die at the hands of martyrs, of murderers. I mean, that's what you. That's what you've seen. I'm not talking about going and pick it in front of. The abortion clinic. That listen, guys. I've been seeing that from day one. I wonder how many people holding those signs have literally went and grabbed a woman, and instead of saying "You're going to go to hell if you have an abortion," or "You're going to this," I wonder how many of them actually went and grabbed their hand and said, "Can I pray with you?" and "Can I take you somewhere to give you hope?" See, we're not teaching in the church. We're, we're scared to talk about sex in the church. I said the dirty word. We're scared to talk about it in church. But if I'm not teaching your children, you're not. Pastor, I don't want you to talk about sex. Well, then maybe you should. You want to know why 17-year-old girls are having an abortion? Because they do not have the capabilities of making a decision about having sex to begin with. Now there is an effect. That's why these, listen to me, that is why these women are standing up and saying, my body, my choice, because they're having to deal with an effect when nobody else would go and stand for the cause. They don't feel they have an alternative. If my daddy knows I'm pregnant at the age of seven, he's going to kill me. I'll just get rid of the baby first. Nobody has to know. Can I tell you that she'll live with that for the rest of her life? If we're not going to teach it in the homes, we have to teach it in the church. And it's not you don't teach somebody not to have sex because it's bad. There ain't nothing bad about it. <laughs> See, y'all y'all gotten uncomfortable, ain't you? Getting a little tight. Just relax. If we tell them what it's meant for, if we tell them why. We tell them that it's God-given. It was God-ordained. But we've taken it completely out. We've allowed the world to replace what God meant for good for evil. See, we don't want to tell our children what it, what it takes to be a mother and a father. Anybody can have a baby. That don't make you a daddy. That don't make you a man. <laughs> but we let our kids do what our kids want to do. You, you've, let, you've let legislation and the world conduct your home. Because you will not stand against it. Oh, you'll praise God and hallelujah when they take whatever it is out of school. Because it shouldn't be there. What are you doing to try to get God back in school? See, we want to... God did not liken this this morning. We don't want to take responsibility. And can I tell you that you will be held accountable? Pastor, it's just me. I don't even have enough money to buy groceries this week. And you're, I'm not asking you to spend your money. I'm asking you to make a move. The word search in Hebrew is darish, and that suggests following after. If we are going to follow after Christ, if that's who we're following after, because he says to search, we need to follow after. That means go where he goes, do what he does. It implies a diligence in the searching process. close pursuit of a desired objective, a close pursuit, you know, it, that kind of reminded me when I seen that this morning, what it kind of reminded me of was the Israelites following the cloud, following the pillar of fire, watching as, as Joshua entered into the Jordan Because the Bible instructed them to stay back a certain amount of of paces or whatever it was. It was almost like a mile. But to stand back because they'd not passed this way before. He was giving them an opportunity to see it. They were close enough to see it so they could follow it. If you're not spending time with the Holy Spirit, you're not close enough... I want to read something to you. I don't believe the overturning would be as such a main focus if those who wanted it overturned would show up and become a help to those who need it. Also, if those who just use it as birth control would stop giving themselves to the opportunity to become pregnant Stop calling for fathers to be accountable when both the women and the man are to be held accountable. See, I'm, this is the things that I'm hearing that they're talking about pro-choice, my body, my life. People want to know, well, where's, who's going to hold the fathers accountable to take care of them? Um, I'm married, so as a, as a pastor, a father, and a husband, I'm telling you, it takes two... A man and a woman to produce a child. If we're not teaching our little girls. That they don't have to give themselves to be loved. Guess what they're going to do to find love. They're going to give themselves. Now what? Give yourself To some hard headed, pants sagging thug that ain't nowhere close to becoming a man. And now you're left holding the child. You don't have an alternative. Now this is what you seek after. Listen, this is what we're teaching our generation, our young generation, because this is why they're out there picketing. Did you see the young people? I broke her leg. She wouldn't have made it. To abort for the sake of not wanting a child is disgraceful, and the actions of not wanting to help is inhumane. Both sides are an absolute error. We want it our way, but we will not really stand for the cause only the effect. I even called out to the government. Become the electives to stand for humanity and the true rights of the people you represent. You do not represent parties, you represent people. Instead of lobbying for legislation and allowing just anyone to kill a baby for the sake of not wanting to give birth and providing for the child, create legislation that supports those Who are caught up in undeserved circumstances create policies that hold accountability to those just looking for a way out if we are to be responsible enough to conduct the act we should be held to the result of providing if government would push funding more towards helping instead of killing that would help now to the church christians get your heads out of the clouds and begin presenting solutions play a part in providing alternatives to abortions. Don't stand and rejoice because you feel your prayer was answered. Rather, begin moving towards avenues and helping and not to judgment. If all you're going to do is stand and shout with excitement of the decision and not begin reaching out to set up ways to help those who need it, then sit down and shut up. Yep, I said that publicly. We, the church, are so far out of touch with who we are called to be, that the world has turned to what seems right to them. We have preached for so many generations on how people don't do, don't do right that we have left our, out the expression of grace. None of us could ever do right enough to be forgiven. Yet God reached through sin and hopelessness and snatched us from an undeserving punishment or from a deserving punishment to allot us the hope of eternal life with Him. It's time for the church to take her rightful place and become a sanctuary for the broken, the hurt, and the hopeless, and offer love and forgiveness that we too have experienced. Rise up, church. Then I went after those that pick it. To those who will argue the ideology of victimized pregnancies, I understand. And I also understand this. God is able to do the unbelievable. And I apologize on behalf of the church that we have not been good examples of his love and grace. But don't judge him based on us. We are all imperfect, and we all do wrong at some point. All I'm asking is that before we continue in the division, let's become a solution. Let's try and find ways to help the child fought to be discarded. The child fought to be discarded may be the one designed by God that produces a cure for a disease that would heal our loved ones. Let's not be so quick to fight with one another, but instead let's fight for one another. I pray that this is read in a manner of compassion as I have written it. May God release a peace to this nation that will unite us again and reveal Himself through each and every one of us. Wow. Should have screenshot it. This hurts my heart. That really bothers me. What I wanted to read you. was deleted. Until we show people that we care for them and love for them, they'll stay in their error ways. Because you're not offering anything. You just point your finger. And we've got to get to a place to where we can do what we've been called to do without having to deal with everything that we deal with. Because what's about to happen now is going to be the chaos. I mean, it's already been released in four or five different big cities. They're already on the streets. Don't think that we're out of the, (laughs) you're not out of the woods yet. This is going to be the time that revival will shine in you. If you're able to stand in your faith in the turbulence that we're expressing right now, that's when revival will break free in you. And if you can get it to break free in you, it will begin to overflow into others. People are tired of hearing about sermons being preached. See, they're almost like me. I'm tired of hearing the preaching. I want to see God. I want to experience God. But we're not going to do any of that until we search after him with all of our heart. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work. <laughs> so if you think this is a good work, he that began the good work, he'll complete it. What's the good work, pastor? Because see, you went right back to Roe v. Wade. He that began a good work, he opened a door of revival for you. And he's saying that now that he has done and started a good work, he'll fulfill it. Will you... Walk through the door. Will this overturning, will this actually cause you to be overturned? Or will it just be another law that you can sit back and say, yeah, I prayed for that and prayed for that and prayed for that. Now that it's done, it's done. And I told you this morning, the end is not the end. The end of a season is just the beginning of another. We're entering into another season in the church. And it's not just because of Roe v. Wade. I'm telling you, we are close. I don't know how many of you... I might be the only um, person that does this. and y'all, y'all, y'all got a word for it. It's almost like uh, morbid. That's what y'all... That's, that's a word. But for about the last six to eight months, I've been thinking about me dying. And I've been thinking about what am I doing? And what have I done? What can I do before I die? But I've been sitting and actually thinking about it. Going if I was to die next week. What can I enter into heaven. And give to my Lord. 14, 15. Whatever, how many ever years it's been. Of sermons. Is that what I get to walk in with. Am I going to to be categorized as the others that said, but God, we've healed in your name? See, I've taken it quite seriously in the past six months. What am I taking to heaven with me when I go? What are you taking to heaven with you when you go? Perfect attendance to Sunday school? I'm I'm being serious. Never missed a tithe a day in my life? Is that what you're taking to heaven? What are you you taking to heaven? What do you think God expects us to bring to him when we come to heaven? Have you ever thought about it? You ever really sat and just wondered, I I wonder what God wants, I wonder what he wants me to to give him when I come. See, I think about it. Because I'm scared I'm not going to bring him what he's desired. And it caused me to begin to search and ask, what is it you desire from me? Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever asked God what it is that he desires of you? And I'm not not asking you to stop living your life here because that's not the intention. God doesn't want us to stop living here. He just wants us to start living for him. And if we would live for him, he's able to do above and beyond. See, actually these things that we strive for in life, the good jobs, the families. We strive for children. All of these things that we strive for. This is what the Bible says to us. The Bible says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That his goodness and mercy is going to tackle you and overcome you. It says that if you seek him first, then all the other things will be added to us. Mm-hmm. See, when we're, I keep looking over here because I had a conversation. When, when we are willing to just say, okay, daddy, I get it. Okay. And then, up oh, jumps a rabbit. Not once, but eight. <laughs> Not children, don't talk. Sean just passed out, I think. But if we will live for him, if we will give him everything that we have, it doesn't mean go to church and give all your money. I'm not. It means giving everything that you have. What is that, Pastor? Let me simplify this. That nothing you have is worth your love for him. And if he asks for it, you give it. Do y'all really think that Abraham really... The way the Bible's written on that, man, it could be so confusing because it doesn't even show that Abraham put up a fight. I'm sorry. I would have fought. I would have at least said, God, are you sure? None of that was written. It said... Me and the boy is going yonder to worship and knew good and well what he was doing. And didn't even tell Sarah about it. Right? I mean, but look at what he was doing. He gave God everything. Nothing, listen, nothing on this earth that you have right now can hold you bound. You have to be willing and free to give it to Christ. All of it. If he asks for it, give it to him. Watch what he does with it. When you thought you just give up everything that you had, he provides for you with something else. God wants His church. He wants the love of His people. Nothing means more to me than when my children were children, not the grown-up hard heads they are now, but when my children were children, and they come running to me and say, "Daddy, I love you, man. when they, talk, I was done. Now when Sean done it, I question it. Now, as soon as Megan said it, I just reached in my pocket because I knew she wanted something. (laughs) But that's the way God wants to feel about us. But see, God can't feel that way about us. Joe, if we're not willing to run to him, just to say daddy i love you not because of the woman that he gave you as your bride not because of a child that he gives you not because of a job increase not because of finances not because of a new home but you just love him because he's daddy see if we get to that part i promise you the conflict, the conflict won't go away in the world, but it will be easier to tend with because you are going to be willing, this is going to be hard, to put someone else above yourself. See, instead of arguing with someone that says, well, what if I was molested and I was pregnant? You're telling me I have to carry that baby? Instead of doing, why don't we talk about the love of God then? And how, how we can trust in Him. And how we, it is, oh, we let, we think that we need to fight evil with evil. If we could just show a little bit of heart to people. I understand, I get it. I'm a man and I get it. If I was a female, and I was molested by my father, and I became pregnant, I wouldn't want to deliver that child either. I understand. I get it. But your solution is not, you can't have an abortion, and blah, 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 blah. That's not the answer. Why can't we be compassionate and love on them? Let's talk to them. Let's... Let's give them some hope to walk through it. You don't trust God. You just want to tell them that abortion's wrong. You don't want to turn it over to God and let God handle it. You you love on them. You let the Spirit of God deal with them. You love on them. You're not going to change their mind. You're not going to change their heart. They're going to do what they want to do because that's what they've been taught to do. But I'm telling you that God is asking us to step out. We've set back long enough. Don't get in arguments with people on Facebook, please. Please don't. There was people making stuff on Facebook. I, oh, I wanted to eat the lunch. But thank the God, he wouldn't let me. I don't want to be mean and cruel to people. Is it wrong? Sure, it's wrong. And I understand it's wrong. I'm just going to express the love of God to them like I was commanded to do. I'm going to sow a seed. 25% of them are going to take the seed and it's going to grow. 75% of them probably wither away and die. See, that's not on my shoulders. You screaming at somebody isn't going to fix it. I tell them how much how bad of a person they are. <laughs> I've got family that's willing to disown me because I don't believe it. I don't agree with it. It's not my, that's not my problem. You have to give an account. And if you choose, that's fine. Choose. I just want to refer you to Scripture and let you look through through Deuteronomy when Moses give them all the blessings and then give them all the curses and said, today I've given you both life and death. He said, please choose life. This ain't gone like anything I wanted it to go. I thought it was heading a different direction, but it, guys, listen to me. Please be someone that the world can look to and, and cause them to scratch their head and go, man, they didn't even say. It. I'm so used to it from everybody else. I had someone that responded on that. It's gone. It's deleted. Must have caught flack mm-hmm. on that side of the street. People, listen to me. You better stand and be ready to stand. Because what you believe, everybody else ain't going to believe. Who you trust in, not everybody's going to trust in, Miss Linda. They don't believe that God can. Because they say, well, if God's got it, because we have taught this superficial gospel, God's got it in control. If he had it in control, none of this would be happening. I promise you. None of the wicked would be going on if God had it in control. Now, is God wringing his hands? Absolutely not. He already knew what was going to happen, he's already got a way out. God put us here so that we would have it in control. We lost it in the garden because one of you women wanted to eat a red apple. I'm joking. Tommy, go to 1 Peter 5.10. I'm I'm, I'm done. 1 Peter 5.10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, After you have suffered a while, that he may perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Listen, that just tells me that it's coming. That just tells me that I'm going to have turbulence in my life. That tells me I'm going to face adversity. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fight. I'm going to want to quit. I'm going to want to give up, and I might even go to the left side of the fence. I might do something crazy, but he's telling me that after a little while that God will establish me. See, I can't. Please don't get on the religious side of the fence. Stop. Stay on the relationship side of the fence and remember the sins that you commit daily and how God has been forgiving you. When you go to address someone that may be going the wrong road, remember whence you came. I'll speak to you in KJV. Because we've all walked a bad road. Some of us are still walking bad roads. And I said us on that so that you wouldn't be offended. I do too. So we all walk bad roads. Whatever it is, it could be our temper. It can be, it can be an argumentative spirit. I mean, it, whatever you want to call it. And you can look at the least of your sin if that makes you feel better. Don't look at the real ugly one, you know, the one that you can't forgive or you have hate. Don't look, look at the small ones, the outburst of anger. Y'all, excuse me a minute. <laughs> we all have something. Please extend the grace to those as the grace was extended to you and still is being extended. Let's stop blaming society, let's stop blaming legislation. Let's stop blaming evil. Let's start taking responsibility, church. Man, we ought to do an apologetics thing on Wednesday. And let's see. Let's see how we tend to. Presenting the gospel to someone when they're sinning, I would think most of us would just tell us we would tell them how bad they were, not how good God is, but how bad they are. I mean, let's, let's relate onto a to an account in the Bible. Well, you don't know what I've done. You know what? That reminds me. There was an account in the Bible to where the youngest son said, I want all of my inheritance. And he'd done the most disgraceful thing at that time in Jewish custom Took his stuff and left. And this ain't got nothing to do with God right now. This is, this is about a boy and his father. And the father was still able the Bible actually said that he's seen him from afar off. So he was looking for him. See, most of us, we count people off. We just... We're not even looking for him. And the daddy had to be looking... Because he said he's seen him from the far off. I don't believe that daddy stood there. I think he met him. And the boy said, Dad... See, I'm paraphrasing. See... Can any of y'all paraphrase scripture without speaking it like the thus, these, and thou's and those? Can y'all paraphrase scripture and kind of put a story to it? If you will, if you will, if you will find a way to do that, you'll be surprised at the people's attention you could get. And you could talk, you could talk through a whole story, a whole account in the Bible. You can talk through the whole thing, and they don't even know that it's scripture. And man, you just loaded them up. They got the purple head because they think you got so much wisdom and all you was doing was telling them about the account. The son said, Daddy, I've sinned against you. And the dad, see, we want to tell them, yes, you did. And you know, if you would have just listened to me and you wouldn't have done, that's how we want to do it. But the dad, the dad he did not even answer his son. Read the account. He didn't even answer it. And then he called for the the ring. He called for the robe. He called for the feast. Brought him on in the house. Never even talked about his sin. Don't tell me God won't do it for them. Why don't you be that person? Give them a story. Man, that reminds me, oh, I understand, I understand exactly how you feel. Because I read once, and this is what happened. And go through an account, put an account to the problem. And show, because every account in God's word has God's grace. Because everything in that scripture is all leading back to the Father. Everything. Everything. If you read a scripture and it doesn't bring you to Jesus, you read it wrong. You need to read it again. It's a love story. So you're going to have to go through some stuff in these next few days. I'm, some of you are going to meet someone that's going, What do you think about the Roe V? You're going, you're going to hear it. It's coming. It's all over Facebook, it's all over Twitter, it's all over Instagram, it's all over the news, it's, it's everywhere. So you're gonna hear it. God's wanting to do a revival in you. He just opened the door. Will you enter? Or will you automatically allow anger to stir up in you? Now I'm not saying you have to be for it, and I don't dumb sin down. Sin is sin. <laughs> The Holy Spirit will reveal the sin. You don't have to reveal the sin. Show the love of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the sin because you can't get them saved anyway. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal their sin. He will then convict. He will then draw them to the Father. Your job is to love on them kind of understand where they're coming from. I mean, I don't believe it's my body, my choice. I don't, I don't believe it because it has nothing to do with your body. It has something to do with your responsibility. But see, I won't go and talk to them about that. I know what it's dealing with. They don't want to be responsible for the child. In most cases, I don't think that 600,000 abortions took place based on incest and rape. I believe that that account would be a lot further down. My opinion, my opinion. But I believe that that number would be much lower than 600,000. So the ones that I'm talking to, most cases, they're not even a victim of rape or incest. And they're telling me my body, no, it's responsibility that you don't want. Big boy, big girl. I'm done with my assignment. God's calling you into a revival. And I've got to say it again because it it rang so heavily. He's opened the door. And the question was, will you walk in there's a lot of stuff going to change a lot of stuff's going to change for the church for the community for the world for legislature i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening, but i'm going to My prayer for you is that you don't get caught in the confusion of the chaos. Oh, man. Um, Thank you. Holy Spirit. Tommy, find that scripture. uh, Or Megan, look it up. Um, Be sober-minded. It's there somewhere. No, I'm not good with addresses in in the scripture. I just say what he tells me to say. 1 Peter 5, what? 8 through 9. Oh, thanks, Tommy. Tommy said, I got it. Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same suffering are experiences of your brotherhood. There's something else, there's another one about being sober minded. And I don't know if that's the scripture. There's another one. There's something about being sober minded or something. I'll figure it out. Go find is there another one? There's gotta be another one. I'm looking for my eyes. Y'all ever look for your eyes on top of your head? There's something else. I'll I'll find it. It might have been that one. Go back to that scripture again. Are y'all helping me look for this or y'all just watching me stand in my stupidity? (laughs) (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope Fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing of Jesus Christ. Don't get your mind twisted with everything else that's going on. In your faith, stand firm, be sober minded. And watch the revelation of Jesus Christ. But if you start going to the other side of the street with everybody else, you're going to get your head twisted. And the revelation of Jesus Christ and the faith of Jesus Christ ain't coming about. What color is your screen? Girl, I need, like, filter. Woo! Because it's, it's about the gray. It's That's got to be it. That's got to be it. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Remember we talked about girding up? Take all your other thoughts captive. <laughs> gird up the loins of your mind. Why? Why? So that your mind doesn't trip up. On the things that's taking place around you. Be sober. Be sober-minded. Keep your head clear. And rest your hope fully upon the grace. The hope for the nation isn't in what you do and say. and It's in the grace of God. And if we don't rest totally our hope upon the grace of God... We don't have hope in nothing else, Linda. This world has offered nothing but empty, empty promises, broken dreams, hopelessness. That's all this world has ever offered us. Don't be tripped up by it. Stand firm so that in your, in your presentation of the love of God to others, you're giving them the good news, the gospel. That's the power. That's the power of salvation. It's the good news. It's the gospel. Instead of telling somebody how bad they are, give them good news. Rest your hope in the grace of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I don't know if that was two, but God bless you. Was it? It was. Okay, it was two. I just heard. I really hope y'all understand what you're about to face. And I pray that you don't give way to the anger. Listen, there's, there's one thing to have righteous anger, and, and that's okay. Don't be mad at the people. Be mad at the enemy because the people are still blinded. They don't even know. They don't even know they're doing wrong, most of them, because they're so blind. Scripture tells us that one of the best things we need do is pray that the scales fall from their eyes so that they may see the light. Don't be so judgmental. Be more loving. Be understanding. Don't give way to sin. Don't walk out of here and say, well, I guess pastor is really pro-choice. So he doesn't want us to even say, it. no, I just don't want you hitting them over the head with the Bible. I want you hitting them over the head with God's love. We don't have to be confrontational to get people to turn. I don't have to agree with you. We can still talk, but I don't have to agree with you. And guess what? At the end of our conversation, I'm still going to love you because I'm free enough to know that my salvation is not tied to your belief. And yes, this was like a Linus blanket for me this morning. (laughs) I needed it. See, when I know that I'm getting ready to offend, it's... This is my comfort. (laughs) Y'all Okay. Please don't harden your hearts to the world. Be a representative of Christ. Show the world his love and his compassion. Be salt and be light. You're not a judge. Better yet, don't judge. Be careful to judge lest you be judged. And some of us don't want to be judged the same way that we judge somebody else. Because we've been a little harsh. Y'all good? Let's stand to your feet. I'm, I'm, I'm done with you this morning. I'm, I told you I didn't have a sermon and I didn't. I've got, I had an assignment and I wanted you to understand something. And I truly believe that what I heard yesterday on the bike is going to ring with me for quite some time. But revival has begun. The door has been open. Will you enter? Y'all been praying for this, haven't you? They, everybody kept telling me, there's, there's a great revival coming. There's a great revival. Guess what? I'll say it. God just told me yesterday, there's a revival. I've opened the door. Will you enter? You've been praying for it. There's your answer. But that ain't what I was expecting. Oh, I know. You was waiting for babies to be tossed around, and mama's throwing bobby pins, and I know. But boy, if he can get in you. Wouldn't it make you happy if he got in you and worked something out? More so than somebody. Are you tired of seeing God or other people experience God and you not? Are you tired of that? Can I tell you? There's a revival. He's opened the door. Will you enter?